0: Well, it certainly is good to be back with you all, and as we see the addition going on, uh, this has got to be exciting for all of you. I pray that God will bless uh, your increased visibility here at Clover ARP Church, here in the town of Clover. It's uh, wonderful to see these kinds of things uh, going on. Uh, before we get to the scripture passage, or as you're turning to the scripture passage this morning that we're going to find in 1 John... Uh, there's been some discussion uh, with the elders as well as those who are coming to preach here on a rotating basis uh, to be going through the first epistle of John. So hopefully uh, as different men come in the pulpit here and you have not yet been blessed with a full-time pastor, uh, you'll be treated to uh, hopefully a rather consistent ministry going through uh, First John as we had some uh, discussions. We were discussing about what might be a blessing to Clover ARP Church, and we uh, settled on uh, First John. Uh, if you know anything at all about this particular passage or this particular epistle, John, as an aged elder, uh, is writing uh, just a broad letter to the saints, and he has some concerns that are happening within the church. And there's some phenomenal principles for the church of Jesus Christ, and that is why our series here, at least this first message, begins under that heading, uh, Guiding Christ's Church in the 21st Century. So with that, let's turn our attention to the first four verses of chapter 1. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask him for his blessing on it. Father, we thank you for your eternal word. We thank you that you have inspired these words to be written by your beloved Apostle John. And so we do ask of you here this morning that you would give me the words to speak, as well as giving us ears to hear and hearts desiring to live by what you have to say to us. Guide us, we pray as we live out the days that you give us in this life. Father, glorify yourself, we pray. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we begin uh, this study of 1 John, I think it's probably appropriate first to ask a couple questions regarding this epistle so you have somewhat of a framework to it uh, before I try and make some observations or some lessons uh, from these first four verses. Uh, the first one, of course, is the question who wrote the book? Who wrote this epistle? Who wrote these five chapters? And everyone is very much agreed that this is the Apostle John, the same one who wrote uh, the gospel according to John. And the difference is, of course, is that John uh, is at the end of his life, he's an old man. And yet he has this overarching concern for the church of Jesus Christ. And what he sees going on in the church of Jesus Christ is raised red flags with him, as we say. And he is then coming to Christians then. He's coming to Christians today. He's coming to Clover ARP Church. And he's saying, I want you to understand the following things concerning the Christian life. So that's why... The title comes to us, as I've said, the guiding, uh, guiding Christ church in the 21st century. These things, hopefully, will be able to guide you, guide us all, uh, as we live out the days that God has given to us. But it's given to us by uh, the Apostle John, who is caring for the flock as a, sh- as a shepherd, as an under-shepherd, if you would, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see that when you go through the letter, you hear him speak about uh, dear children. He has an affection for the church of Jesus Christ. The second question that comes to us is, why did he write this? I've given you a little bit of a hint uh, about this already. But uh, there were those who were beginning to deny the very doctrines, the very teachings that they had been taught. Uh, in the church. They had become uh, believers, and now it appears that they were beginning to embrace wrong teaching. And this is what so often happens in churches. We all uh, know that this happens. We may have experienced it ourselves. We might have come out of a congregation where there was wrong teaching. Uh, You may have seen it even within the ARP. Uh, Error just slowly on creeps into the church of Jesus Christ. And before long, there are doctrines that are being taught, there are teachings that are being taught that bear little resemblance to the church, to the the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ in the church. And it doesn't happen quickly. It happens over time. I spent about 18 years in jail ministry, and I can't tell you how often there were individuals who would speak about Uh, there having been brought into jail and how that it came very, very slowly. It started with very small things and then that ended up in something much larger. We might wonder how is it that churches get into these kinds of situations and that's really the way that it happens. And we end up wondering why is there even a sign in front of the building called a church? And John The Apostle John sees what's happening, and he's very concerned. Error tiptoes in the doors, dear ones. And as I've thought about this, I've thought, now how can we describe how this all begins? What is the root cause where we have to draw up these concerns and look for guiding principles in Christ's church? And I would say that the best way to describe it is, is that error creeps into the church in what's called the no-so disease. Have you ever heard of the no-so disease? Probably not heard of that before. No-so, two words, not one. And what very often happens is that people, either a singular individual or a group of individuals, come with a so-called no-so disease. I know certain things that you don't know. There are new ideas that I have that you have missed all this time. And you need to follow me or you need to follow us. We need to go a new path. And what so often happens is is that the church of Jesus Christ then never pursues the way of the Bereans, examining the scriptures daily whether these things are so. And the church slowly on begins to veer off the right path and goes into error. Those of us who are parents... We have either experienced it ourselves or we have seen others where there are regrets that we didn't deal with certain issues with our children when they were younger. Anybody ever have those kinds of regrets? The problem is, is if when we don't deal with those issues early on and we're not careful, they grow up to be big problems down the road and they're much harder to deal with. So John comes to us here uh, this morning and he basically says to us, These things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. What was happening is that the life of believers were being affected in a very negative way. And he wants to be able to correct it. And that's why when you read through five chapters then you see and hear the Apostle John using the word know. We know, we know, we know. Thirty times at least, John brings that to our attention. We know these things. And if you look at our text, the very last words that we read, you see that John's beginning uh, shot, so to speak, is that Christians would know joy. Look at these last words. We are writing these things so that our joy, some of your Bibles will have, so that your joy may be complete. And it's very important to grasp that. Is that error that creeps into our lives as Christians is certain to sap our joy? And the Apostle John gives us this principle that is all throughout the scriptures, and that is that joy is essential to the Christian life. And right doctrine, right teaching, will lead, properly applied, to joy in the Christian life. And John is aware of that. So John, he comes, as I said, as a pastor, as a as a shepherd who is concerned about the flock as he is getting very old and he knows he won't be here in this life long and he has seen what is taking place and now he comes to you and to me, he comes to them with some guiding principles. Let's look at them together here. Here's the first one I want us to see Uh, in our text. We'll see it right at the very beginning and that is, The truth that I am bringing, John says, to you is eternal truth. You see, those who were coming into the church with the error were saying that they had a new truth. It was the error of what's called Gnosticism. Gnosis. You see the word no in there. That's a Greek word for those of you who want to be a little bit more intellectual about this. It's that they knew certain things that the Christians didn't know. But John comes against it. And he says, I'm coming to you with a truth that is eternal. Look at how he says it. You'll recognize these words because he used them in John chapter 1 in his gospel. That which was from the beginning. So he says, what I'm telling you doesn't start with what I am telling you. What I'm bringing to you is an eternal truth. He's likely reaching back into eternity itself. Some will say he's reaching back into Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God. But most good commentators believe that John is reaching all the way back into eternity past, into God's eternal plan to show his love to the to the world race. And that's why John says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, it's the first thing that we have to understand is is that the truth that we are holding to is an eternal truth. And the warning sign that needs to come to us is is that when someone says, I have a new truth, I have something else that y'all have missed, we need to say, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's an eternal truth that we need to hold to. It's that truth. That is once delivered to the saints. And we are called to search that out. We are called to heed to that. So what was from the beginning. John says. Endures. It's eternal. It lasts. And the first thing. That ought to cause our Warning flags to go up is when someone says, or a group of people say, well, there are new truths out there that we've missed. Doesn't mean that the church isn't always reforming. It should. John Calvin said the reformed church is always reforming. But it's always reforming according to what God has said. If Clover ARP Church is, continue, is going to continue to be a blessing for the people of God, for this community in an outreach way, giving the gospel of Jesus Christ the only way it will continue to exist to the glory of God is to do so heralding the eternal truth of the word of God. Now, Why is this so important for us today? It's so important for us today because, first of all, the world has no absolutes. At least, that's what they say. People seem to be doing whatever is right in their own eyes. People say, and we hear it more frequently, religions don't really matter. They all get to the same place in one way or another. And they may hear your profession of Christian faith. They may hear you say that Christ is the only way. And they will say to you, well, that's good for you, but that's not for me. And even within the church of Jesus Christ, we're finding more and more an undefined spirituality that somehow is approved but never tested By the word of God. John says. This truth I'm bringing to you. Is from the beginning. So let's look secondly at what we see. uh, For a guide in the church of Jesus Christ. I've already hinted at it. But we see it in the second part of verse 1. And that is true life is in Jesus alone. Away with the rubbish that the religion doesn't matter. John says is that in Jesus is true life. Apart from him, there's no life. Look how plain he says it. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And he's bringing us face to face with Jesus, who is the word of life. The only way that you and I have come to life is through the eternal word. This does not end up being a closed book to us. This is a living book. This is the living word of Christ. And our profession is to be based on and rooted on this one word. The word of life. You see, dear ones, it doesn't come through gimmicks It doesn't come through programs. It doesn't come through presuming that all will be well in the end. It comes through the word of life. It comes through believing on Jesus Christ alone. And that's why the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, why he says to his people everywhere, through the word, to his servants, preach the word, teach the word, And that's why this ministry that is a faithful ministry in Christ's church is always rooted upon the word. That's why a pulpit is in the center of the building. Because the word is to be central in the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. And he says, John says, we know him. We know him. We've handled Him. We've touched Him. We've seen Him. And we testify and proclaim to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made manifest to us. You see, He's he's coming right at this whole issue of Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who came and was manifest here on this earth. This birth that we celebrate Is God coming down and redeeming a people for himself. Talk about hope. Talk about goodness. Talk about grace. I've come to know a gentleman who came from Iran, or was born in Iran and then to Turkey, and then has just recently come to the United States. And in his broken English, he said, God change head and change heart. And his father is an imam in the mosque. And when his father heard that he and his wife had become Christians, he came over to their house and beat them up. And he realized Iran is not a good place for me to be. And he escaped and went to Turkey and lived for three years in Turkey and then had permission, got permission to come and live in the United States. He came to know this word of life. He came to know Jesus Christ. And isn't that what true faith is? Isn't that our profession? Jesus has become real to me. I ask you this question? Do you know him? Are you in Jesus Christ? If you do rejoice you have every reason to rejoice if you don't I'm holding the word of life to you it's for your receiving come to him today come to him know him by faith today let's look at another guiding principle if you would in our text And this is, I fear, so often missed. And that is is that we are to be dependent on the Spirit's work. We are to be dependent on the Spirit's work. Look at where I'm taking this from in verse 2. The life was made manifest. That's the word, manifest. And we've seen it and testified to it, which was with the Father and was made manifest. There it is again. Twice over, John is wanting to emphasize this was shown to us. We came to know the truth of the gospel, not because we were so clever, not because we had everything all figured out, but we came to know this because God, by his spirit, came and revealed Jesus to us. He took us out of darkness and he brought us into his marvelous light. This is all over the scriptures. That's why our reading this morning came from Ezekiel 37. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Oh, sovereign Lord, you know. Ezekiel is almost like he doesn't know what to say. What does God say to him? Preach to these bones. They're dead. That's the reality of life. By nature, we are dead. By nature, the world is dead. But our great hope doesn't lie in the fact that we have got it so figured out that if we do the right things, somehow people will become Christians. Rather, we have the word of life. gives us every bit of encouragement to hold out Jesus Christ, knowing that it's the Spirit's work. And we pray and pray and pray. God will manifest himself to them. You see, if it's all so easy, as some churches proclaim, why is it then within Christian families there are some who believe and there are some who fall away, who never embrace Christ? It's because it's the Spirit's work. And so the Apostle John comes to you and to me. The whole scriptures come to us. Jesus himself says to to Peter, for example, that the truth of Jesus was manifested to him. My Father in heaven has shown you these things. And Jesus, when he's speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Except you be born of water and of the Spirit. That's our hope. That's the guiding principle by which we are to live out the gospel. I have one more that I want us to see. And that is that the true mark of genuine faith always results in joy. Always results in joy. Well, combined in with that joy, of course, is fellowship. You see it there as we look at the latter part of verse 3. I'll begin at the beginning. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy or your joy may be made complete. This is to be a mark of the Christian life. This is to be an example of what it means to be a Christian, is that our lives ought to be marked with a settled joy. Now, that's altogether different from happiness. We often confuse those two things. But joy is a settled confidence in the word of God, and we trust him that what he has said and written is for us. So when the world seems to be going to pieces, we don't go to pieces. But we in the church of Jesus Christ are living out in joy. We are settled, as it were, in the truth that Jesus Christ has come and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. That's what true faith does. And so you see, the Apostle John comes to you and to me. He comes to them in the day that he wrote this, and he said, true fellowship with God has its joy. And we should know of that. The Apostle John is concerned about that. He says right flat out, we are writing these things so that our joy, your joy, may be complete. So this joy that we experience is not the same thing as happiness. There may be an element of that in it. But this joy that's supposed to mark us as Christians is a settled confidence and satisfaction in God. See, this is very much like what the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Even in John 16, I have a reference listed here, John 16, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Here's what happens so often in the church of Jesus Christ. As we come to a close here, and that is there are blurry lines within the church. It happens all over the place. It seems like it's the natural thing. We devolve into blurry lines. People will say we just need to get along regardless of what a person believes. Things just have to feel right. I trust you see even in these first verses right here uh, this morning, that's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach us that... True Christianity, true fellowship with God is based on specific truths. It's based on the word of God, the whole word. And true fellowship, true joy only comes when there is a common ground. So dear ones, I commend these four verses uh, to you here uh, this morning as hopefully more uh, messages will come to you from First John. May God give uh, to each one of us to know this joy and to know it more and more as you live out your days here at Clover ARP Church.